Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. So, Luke DeCock, do you uh, do you stay in town for Thanksgiving or do you head uh, back home to the Midwest? I normally stay in town. In fact, my wife has her whole Thanksgiving array of dishes. It's like a Southwestern thing with like a chili glazed turkey and Ooh. poblano uh, stuffed, poblano, poblano, smoked poblano stuffing and we got the whole thing worked out. This year, though, we are uh, we're going back to Chicago, so we're going to brave the uh, the cold and uh, go back to my uh, my parents' house, go up to Wisconsin, do the whole <laughs> deal. So uh, normally, normally we uh, normally we stay here, but this year we're gonna we're gonna make a run for some spotted cow and live the good life back there. That is the, cheese, we, cheese curds and so some you're, smoked sausage and the whole deal. You say you're escaping. You, you know, you're going to brave the cold weather. Did you get up this morning? Yeah, yeah, it's going to be a little like this. <laughs> I mean, it was 21 degrees when I walked out of the house this morning. 20, 21. My my car was like, please start me, please. You just you need you need it. So, um, I have I can't remember the last time I was anywhere for Thanksgiving since since I moved here in '98. I've always been here for Thanksgiving. I've never gone anywhere else. Um, so. And uh, man, my whole uh, my whole crew's here anyway, so uh, so we're good to go. It's all about uh, it's all about I guess some football uh, and food and hockey, and then of course we have a Hurricanes game on the uh, on the 29th. Thanksgiving's a little bit late this year, but uh, we'll enjoy enjoy your Chicago and Wisconsin Thanksgiving. Let's get this underway. This is the Canes Corner Podcast with host Adam Gold, part of the Capital Broadcasting Podcast Network. Now here's the host of the Canes Corner Podcast, Adam Gold. Luke DeCock from the News and Observer is joining us here on the Canes Corner Podcast. Before we get to Hurricanes matters, got a, th- a few thoughts on the firing of Don Cherry by Sportsnet in Canada. I mean, I do and I don't. I mean, I think it's beyond. It was it was beyond time. It was beyond obvious. Um, he probably should have been fired before. You know, I think the 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 thought I have is we're going to spend a long time, kind of going back and retrospectively looking at, and and now you can do this because he's off the air and it's not sacrilege. But the you know really the damage he did to the game of hockey over the last you know, really, really 10 to 15 years at a time when the game was becoming more inclusive Mm -hmm. at a time when the game was becoming more educated about the danger of hits to the head at a time when everyone was becoming more educated about the long-term consequences of concussions. You know, he really advocated for a very dangerous game and people listened to him. I mean, he had tremendous, tremendous reach in Canada and and even in the States, but, but primarily in Canada and a lot of the things that I, I don't like about the game of hockey, the the sort of frontier justice mentality and, you know, the 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 this the sort of the way that injuries are sort of treated as weakness. A lot of that 
was perpetuated, you know, started on the icy plains of Manitoba and all that crap, but it was perpetuated and it was enabled and it was sort of cultivated by cherry long after it should have been wiped out of the mm-hmm. game. So that's, that's my, I, I, I always found him entertaining. There's no question about it. I, I understood the appeal when I was in Canada, the game, I'd be standing in the back corner of the press box of the television with the volume turned up the first intermission on Saturday night with everybody right. else. And, and, you know, I think you were there. One of the most surreal experiences of my life was seeing Don Cherry in his, you know, upholstered suit and, yeah. and and vinyl collar with Ron McLean standing in the corner of the rec zone in 2002. Just, you know, how how far had they fallen to be there while the Leafs were dressing in, you know, locker room C and locker room D or whatever they're called over there in the corner. Right. But, you know, I, I understand his appeal. I understand his iconic status. And and I understand the the game that he represents, um, but that's a game that's changed. And I hope now that he's off the air and apparently going on some sort of victory tour, yeah. um, you know that that we can get back to kind of trying to make a hockey a game that everyone can play and everyone feels welcome playing, and B uh, making it a safer game because there you know I wrote a big story about concussions and football and a high school team and what they're doing about it. A lot of those same issues exist in hockey and especially at the lower levels. And, and you know, I think having him, him out of that bully pulpit is really going to help the game move forward. You know, the interesting thing about uh, what Cherry said is that if you stacked up all of the things that Cherry uh, has said over the course of his most more recent career, like the last 12 years, 15 years, uh, you know, the you people in um th- that he uh termed for you know people who are not native to Canada or Mississauga Ontario or Toronto which is really specifically what he was talking about um that would be pretty low pretty pretty tame for uh for Don Cherry but this is what got him here's my my ultimate question is in the hockey culture and I'm first of all I agree with you that this is something that probably should have been done a long time ago uh, but in the hockey culture, do does does Rogers risk damaging some of that relationship because there are a number of current players that can't believe that Rogers took this step. To me, it's it's sponsors speaking. Uh, but what damage could be done to current culture? I, I don't think much. I mean, I, I think. You know, I, I people tuned in for the spectacle. He he really had so little to say these days. You know, in, in the old days, and let's go back to 2000 when I started covering the NHL regularly. What he said was relevant. You know, he he talked he talked about things that were of issue to the game, and lately, a lot of his stuff is just sort of nonsensical ranting and and sort of reflexive praising of the veterans. There's nothing obviously. There's nothing wrong with that, but it was sort of substituted right. for actual hockey content. Um, you know, people are like, you know, how he said all these outrageous things. How is this the one that got him fired? And it's very much a, you know, a, a camel's back situation, but it's also the way things happen. You know, you look at almost anything in life, things happen slowly and then they happen fast. You reach a tipping point yeah. and then the ball just starts rolling down the hill and we're seeing it happening in other places. We're seeing it happening. We saw it happen with Don Cherry. This is probably, I mean, this, this what he said was outrageous. He said worse oh, and yeah. gotten away with it. But, you know, his his bank of goodwill and credibility had it was gone. Um, you know, it's 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 one of those things where, you know, I, I, I use this with, example with Larry Fedora at North Carolina. 
if you don't make any friends when you're winning, <laughs> you get to a point where you need friends and you don't have any. I think that's what happened to Don Cherry. All of his friends were gone. You know, all the people who had supported him, all the people who had known him, played with him, those people aren't in positions of power in the game of hockey anymore, maybe a handful. The new generation looks at him as this loudmouth, crazily dressed buffoon. They, they don't have any skin in that game with him. When he needed friends, he didn't have any because he certainly hadn't gone out of his way to make any the last 10 years. So, you know, I, I think it's going to be good for hockey having his voice out of the mainstream. I think deplatforming Don Cherry is the best thing you could do for the game of hockey. Is there an American equivalent, not in hockey, but in sports media in general to Don Cherry? I, you know, in terms of sports specific, I, I think Vital is probably the closest in terms of someone whose personality came to represent an entire sport, you know, someone whose right. sort of visage stood in for an entire sport. But obviously, you know, Dickie had not any have any interest or, or aptitude for being as controversial as, as Cherry wanted to be all the time. Right. You know, probably I would say if there's anyone in American sports, uh, it's probably Stephen A. Smith <laughs> in, the, in, in the guise of someone who is very public, very highly promoted by his very strong, very powerful network, um, who will say just about anything to get attention. And, you know, I think he's probably the closest equivalent we have right now. But it's not, you know, Cherry was so narrowly defined by hockey. You know, he never talked about the Argonauts. You know, right. it was he was <laughs> so sports specific that it's really hard to come up with a comparison because there really isn't anyone um, in an American media market covering a single sport who has that kind of dominance of the subject matter and is that controversial. It's, it's, you know, I think Dan Dakich would love to be that guy. He certainly, <laughs> he certainly is objectionable. There is no question about that. Uh, uh, Vital was a great example, but nobody has more friends uh, than Dick Vital. He is one of the nicest men. Uh, I mean, right, right now, if, uh, if I mean, I could text him, and as long as he's yeah. got five minutes, no. right? He's just that guy. Yeah, no, no. This is right? that's, and that's my point. Yeah. my point with Dicky is his is he represented a sport the way Cherry? No question about it. I would argue if that he to is. Dickie, he would have no shortage of friends. Oh my gosh! Uh, and I would right. argue that the uh, the popularity of college basketball has as much to do with Dick Vital as it does with any other singular entity, including teams or coaches. Vital's presence on television meant big game. It was all of that. And I think uh, part of that is the reason why Vital is still going on. Let's get to some Carolina Hurricanes matters, shall we? Doesn't 5-0-0 seem like a really long time ago? It doesn't. It doesn't. You know, I think... Well, I, I think it's like the course of any season where you get some injuries. You know, I think the goaltending was we, we probably didn't give the goaltending enough credit at the start um, because we didn't really have anything to compare it to at that point, at least in this particular season, time frame of a season. Mm -hmm. um, but, I, you know, I, 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 we, get, we get caught up in this. It's November. You hit a skid. A couple of things go wrong. The game starts to slip. Um, you know, it, it, I think it's a product of, of not making the playoffs for all that time where there's just that really kind of hair trigger to hit the panic button among among observers. I don't necessarily think the team was there. I think the team should have gotten there after the Rangers loss. And we'll talk about that 
in this in this podcast because I think that the the I think the way the team approached the Rangers loss directly led to what was unquestionably their worst loss of the season in Ottawa. <laughs> yes. Um, and then you know the the bounce back obviously, and and we're recording this on the day of the Sabers game. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks like they may get Halla back. Martinook is close. Yeah, Halla made the trip. Martinook, I think he made the trip, but he's been tra- he's been traveling with the team lately anyway. Yeah. My guess is Martinook is probably still a week away. Yeah, he's close though. I mean, yeah. he's he's close. You know, so you know, those are two big guys to lose. Martinook, uh, especially in a leadership role with without Justin Williams so far this year, and Halla, you know, being an NHL set like a guy who's an NHL center unquestionably. Takes so much of the workload off of Jordan Stahl, it makes Jordan Stahl a better player when mm-hmm. he's not being asked to do so much. I think both of those things had a lot to do um, with kind of the, the slippage in the Hurricanes game and, and how they kind of ended up in that losing streak. I don't know that there's a huge difference from 5 0 0. You know, like you win a couple you shouldn't have won and, you know, the overtimes mm-hmm. and all that stuff, and then you lose a couple you shouldn't have lost. I, it, it does tend to even out over the course of the season. Their record is fine, it's not great. It's fine. Um, I think what they'll really regret is, especially the Rangers game and the game at Ottawa, is not getting points that everyone else is going to get. Yeah, I would argue the uh, the Devils game was another game. It's okay yeah. to lose to a goaltender. Uh, and obviously that was the Ranger loss. They lost to Henrik Lundqvist that night. Uh, there, were some, uh, there were some things I didn't like about the way they played against the Rangers, uh, but ultimately they win the game if Henrik Lundqvist doesn't have throwback the clock night. Uh, or turn back the clock night and but they they didn't get beat by a hot goaltender against the devils they got beat by a team that outplayed them uh yeah. and made fewer mistakes and i don't know uh, the ottawa loss so monday's win over ottawa made me angrier about saturday night's loss uh, because because the only way you lose a game to that team carolina a competent team the only way you lose the game is if you are uh if you're sleepwalking through i go back to that 50 and 0 start and they won all five of those games, but only one of those games did they show you the full gamut of what they can be, and that was that was Tampa, because the first period they were they were okay, they were fine. Um, Tampa took advantage of a couple of mistakes, but from that point on, I mean, they just absolutely crushed the uh, the yeah. Lightning. Uh, but they only played pockets of really good hockey in those first five games. They were fortunate to be five and zero, and after that. Um, some of the things that 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 I was worried about regarding this team, uh, forecheck identity, which I had still really haven't seen consistently, except maybe for that Tampa game. Um, and I, I'm I'm not drawing any conclusions based on what I saw Monday against the minor league team. Uh, but you know, so the being hard to play against last year hasn't really shown up this year. So a lot of the games they've won, it's because they just. They're better. They have a lot of talent. They have guys who can score, um, but we and they should have. And the defense has been great offensively until lately. Um, but I thought that they were, and Rod has said it a bunch of times. They were they were a pretty team, and Rod's style is not a pretty style. It's an in your face yeah. style, and I haven't really seen them play that on a consistent basis. I'm not sure they can uh, with given the current makeup of the roster. So those types of things were kind of, um, they were missing for me even when they were playing well. And I think when they go through tough stretches, uh, those are the things that are going to cause a a loss to the devils when you don't have your best 
uh, or a loss to Ottawa when you're asleep at the wheel. So I, I had my concerns before then. They're kind of just being manifested now. Yeah, and and, and here's the other part of that. Um, I, I agree, and I, I, I think one of the biggest struggles this team has had in its – in the big picture start to finish is it has not been able to find the identity that brought it so much success last year. They've done some of the things that brought them success last year. There isn't that identity. You mentioned the four check. There's all kinds of things that go into that, that they haven't done. And I mentioned, I, I mentioned this in the column I wrote after the Rangers game, you know, it, it, Rob Brindamore was available before the game and, and Sam Rosen from the Rangers broadcast asked him, are you guys deliberately playing differently this year? Um, and, 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 and Brendan were like grimaced because, you know, he gave a good answer about, well, you know, we got, we're, we're a little more skilled this year. We're not as, as grinding this year. Um, but you could tell it pained him because that's not what he wanted. Right. You know, he wants to play that more grindy game and they haven't been able to get to it. Um, th- that I think is the, is the issue. And I still don't think they're there. I think getting Halla and Martin back will help. Um, but it's, it's it's hard when you have that much turnover and you lose your captain to recapture something that was so yeah. ephemeral and yet so essential to their success. So to a certain extent, you know, you you talked about the the five games to start the season being a little bit of a I don't want to say mirage because they they deserve to win. But oh sure, but 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 not I don't I, as I said I agree with you I don't think those games were that different from the games some of the games right. they've lost, but they have not been able to find that identity. Here's here's the thing about the Rangers game that bugs me. It was, and I, and I know you were thinking the same thing. Oh, well, you know, we ran into a hot goalie. Look at all the shots we put up. We play that way. We'll win a lot of games. No one wanted to talk about the lack of traffic in front of Lundqvist. I'd, lo- I'd love to see the, 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 the data on that because maybe I'm just wrong. I did right. not feel like, I felt like a lot of their shots on Lundqvist were unobstructed. Maybe if I go back and break it down shot by shot, I'll feel differently. That was sort of my gut impression. Um, you know, be a little more effective on the power play and not commit these unbelievable defensive breakdowns. Yes. That like, was that was to ma- me. Yeah. It it doesn't matter how well you play if you're going to give the opposition two or three goals. It used to be the goaltending that was doing it. In the Rangers game and the Ottawa game, it was these unbelievable defensive breakdowns. And that's not, you know, this, it's not just the defense, it's a team thing. Sure. You know, if you're going to let a team score off the off a center ice face off like Ottawa did once and almost twice in Ottawa, that is a team breakdown. Right. That is not a defensive pairing. Um, as much as people are trying to pile on Jake Gardner, who hasn't been great, but but no. still. Um, so I walked away from that Rangers game and I wrote a column about you know the, the how do you find the balance between knowing you're playing badly and 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 knowing you're also doing things well when the analytics are great, but your defensive breakdowns are terrible. Um, and that's just sort of where the Hurricanes have been in November before sort of trying <laughs> to figure out what's good and what's bad. Now, after watching the Ottawa game, the game in Ottawa, this is what really bugged me about the Rangers game. Nobody wanted to take responsibility for that loss. It was all, we played great, goalie beat us, we played that way, we we're going to win a lot of games. Mm-hmm. There were things they did wrong that they refused to accept. And I think they were complacent in Ottawa and that burned him. It was a Bill Peters post game, and they played like a Bill Peters team in Ottawa, and they got their butts kicked. So I, I agree I think, with that. Yeah, I wish that's a column I wish I'd written. Um, of course, there's a, a bit of 2020 hindsight there, knowing you're going to go up and lose the, the worst game in the league. Uh, but but that in retrospect, 
that Rangers postgame bugged me. And then the, the win over Ottawa almost bugged me because they did all the things that they hadn't done in either of those games yeah. or so many of them. Like they should have, and they should have done it against the Devils, and they right. should have done it, you know, done a better job against the Flyers. Although uh, the analytics were great in that game too. I wrote that down because after the loss to Philadelphia is when Rod Brindamore said, uh, "We're a pretty team." Uh, that's when he called the team. Like uh, we, we we have a lot of skill. Skill doesn't win in this league. You can't be a pretty team. You have to be able to grind yeah. it out. And he said it after the uh, the game against Ottawa. You know, actually, I was talking to him after the morning skate. Uh, just for uh, for Stormwatch, and um, he talked about being able to win a game 2-1. Like, they won the game against Calgary. That game against yeah. Calgary here was a well-played game uh, where uh, Riddick, for them, in goal, played really well, and then Svechnikov had the crazy lacrosse goal, uh, and then Hall's net front presence allowed for the power play goal that ultimately made it a 2-1 game and a 2-1 win, but they played that game the way it's supposed to be played. Um, but the against against the Bill Peters team, (laughs) perfect. It was perfect timing to have Bill Peters in town for that. Uh, but I asked him after that, I said, is this team really equipped to play two one games? And he, and he sort of admitted that, you know, I don't know that we are, uh, because he, and, and he knows that I, I do wonder if he says things after games at times to deflect the the blame from his players and if he says things differently internally i'm pretty sure he does uh because i've had conversations with him off the record where he says uh he explains the mistakes that were made uh rather than get into it during post game press conferences uh because to me the the uh the most glaring thing that stood out about the rangers loss was the third goal, the one that opened the third period, Yeah. right? Was the Buchnevich taking the puck from Gardner, and then whether it's miscommunication between Gardner and Ajo uh, in the defensive zone, uh, nobody went to Buchnevich. My own feeling is that, Jake Gardner, it was your turnover. uh, Take it upon yourself to make sure Buchnevich doesn't have a walking path to the net, but nobody did. I thought Brett Pesci did what he's supposed to do, which take the you know take the pass away and just leave it up to the goalie. Uh, but neither Gardner or Aho got there in time to do anything to Butchnevich, and ultimately uh, that's the goal. I think Hedel uh, was credited with uh, with actually f- finishing it across the line, but it would have gone across the line. Yeah. Anyway, the ultimate fantasy vulture on that one. <laughs> but that that to me, the so many mistakes in this four game losing yeah. streak. Uh, has all been about mistakes. Um, Monday night, I'm, I'm like, I just decided I'm just gonna watch Aho because he had not had a really good start to the year, and I know the the head coach was not thrilled with him. Um, but I just decided to watch Aho, and it wasn't his first shift. I think it was his second shift. Uh, he and Brady Kachuk, who plays a hard game, uh, they were engaged in a cross-checking duel. Uh, in the Canes defensive zone early on, and I was impressed that Aho didn't skate to the comfort of open ice because Carolina already had the puck, and he went back and forth with Brady Kachuk, um, and so I watched him all night. It was to me, I don't even think it's close. Best game he's played all year. Forget about the goals, uh, because everything started with a little bit of an edge and in the defensive on the defensive side of the puck. And I wonder how much he took that to heart as we go forward. And hopefully we'll see a different Sebastian Ajo. Yeah, I wasn't watching him from the start the way you were. I noticed his game, especially in his own zone, 
um, what he did to break up scoring chances, mm-hmm. how he was wherever the puck was, he seemed to be between the puck and, you know, and the net. I mean, he just was, he, he just was on. Um, and so, you know, I, I, I think I retweeted you in the, in the third period that I agreed completely that that was his best game of the year. And, and to me, a big reason why they won, because what they've lacked this year is their best players grabbing them by the scruff of the neck and dragging them along. Um, now, they didn't really need it against the Senators. No. But I think that was a factor. And I think, you know, we, we went into the season, you know, kind of wondering if after every bad loss were people going to start talking about Justin Williams. But I think this is a win where you can talk about Justin Williams in the sense that Aho did what Williams did so many times last year, which was sort of drag the team along with him. And then it becomes contagious. Yeah. You know, by the third period, everyone feels that way. They need that from Aho every single night. That's that's an eight million, well, however you want to say it, twelve million. That's <laughs> that's that kind of player does that. And he's capable. Now, it's one thing to do it against the Senators. It's another to do it against the Capitals. Yeah. But he's capable, and we saw it there. Um, I, 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 I was thinking the same thing from about halfway through the first period on, and then he gets the goals, which were, which were fine. But I would have written that if he had no goals in that game. Um, and, and, you know, it's great. Joel Edmondson's first star. Yeah. And it's a feel-good moment and all that. But to me, Ajo was exponentially far and away the best player on the ice in that game. And yeah. he should be. Yeah, against I, the senator. He certainly should. I you know, I just for giggles, nobody asks my opinion of these things uh because I am I don't know, I've I've never voted in three stars. I've never submitted three stars to the Canes uh for you know, for the official score sheet, but my three stars Monday night were Aho. I put Edmondson too because he had three points and I thought Brett Pesci was outstanding. I like yeah, Pesci was good too. I like I like Pesci and Edmondson as a second pair. Uh, way, way more than I like Pesci and Gardner. I think uh, it's uh, like I'm not trying to bring up a Justin Falk-related conversation, but Falk and Pesci last year was underrated an enormous part of Carolina's run in the second half because they were so good as a tandem, and I think that Pesci is better with Edmondson than he is with Gardner. We got about 10 minutes left. I want to ask you uh, about, because you have already referenced Justin Williams twice today. As a matter of fact, (laughs) earlier you said, Justin, you said, without Justin Williams so far. And I don't know if you mean anything by the so far part, uh, but what's your sense about whether or not, I mean, we all saw the report on TSN that Williams had started skating. Uh, You know, he's gone uh, radio silence. We probably all had conversations with the team. Uh, But what's your sense about, uh, not only do you think Justin wants to come back, but what kind of impact he could have? I think, you know, at this point, I'm, I'm, I don't have any inside information um, other than just sort of the rumor mill, but I, I, I'm expecting him to come back at some point in the second half. I just feel like that feels like a foregone, foregone conclusion at some point. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if he doesn't, uh, but I, I think that just is kind of how it feels like things are going. You know, I, I don't know what kind of impact he can have. It's going to be fascinating because, you know, they have a captain. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they have a, a, a leadership group. You know, you come back in and with so many new guys, you're not stepping into the same room. You know, what's he have left in the tank on the ice? Um, I, I think it's a, it's a, it, it, would, it would be a grand experiment. I don't think there are any guarantees um, with him. Um, but I do think when you look at, 
what we've talked about with the team's identity and things like that. I think he can help with that. And I think some of the, the new guys would maybe accelerate their process fitting into the team with, with someone like him in the room, because, you know, above all else, what he, one of the things he did last year that was, that was really impressive was, was built, built a community um, in that room that hadn't been there before. And I give, I think, some of that credit certainly goes to Rod Brindamore, but I give Justin Williams a lot of that credit too, because I think he played such an important role uh, in, in doing that and getting the team to that point. Um, you know, so I think that's the other thing sort of that, that, that could potentially happen if he came back. I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that he does come back. Um, I, even if I just said, I, I think it's likely. Um, um, right. I just feel like that's the way things are headed. It wouldn't shock me if he doesn't, but I'm not, going to be surprised at all if he shows up a month from now at practice and they try to figure out a way to fit him under the cap. I, I just feel like that's the way things are going. Well, I mean, there's there's room under the cap. A lot of the things they did before the season created enough room because it wouldn't be, I mean, my guess is it would be essentially a million-dollar contract uh, with incentives that wouldn't tack on until next year when the Marlowe buyout is off the books uh, and there are, aren't necessarily any additional monies uh, that are going to be laid out next year. I mean, even if they extend, yeah, no, they have they have right. room for an yeah, they have room for overage next year. Yeah, and that's that. You know, the question is, does Justin Williams want to play on that kind of contract? Oh, that's. I mean, who knows? Maybe maybe yeah. a more substantial offer this summer would have uh, avoided all of this. I get the sense that it that it wouldn't have, but um, you know, I mean, we'll never know because we were not privy to all of those things. Uh, at least until someone decides to talk about it. But um, look, I th- I, th- I think there were a lot of family polls for uh, for Justin. I know he's had a great time coaching his kids, so coaching his son. So um, who knows? I mean, I everybody tried to read so much into that final scene in the locker room uh, with him still in his gear and his two kids around him uh, talking about what do we want to do, what do we want to do now, blah blah blah. Um, I never did, but. I mean, I get the people who did and saw into it a guy who might be calling it it calling it an end, uh, but I just never saw Williams, especially the year he had last year. I just never yeah. saw him essentially saying that okay, that's it, uh, because I also think that he's a guy that a understood just what it took to get where they were, uh, and what it would take to get back, and the chances that you know chances are unlikely that it would even happen. Uh, but I also look at him as somebody who relishes that sort of a challenge. Yeah, I, I, I think there's probably enough of a, a drive to play still there that this, that this makes sense. Um, it maybe wasn't there to the same degree in August. Um, but, you know, I mean, he's, he's a guy who's proven himself, proven uh, to be a gamer, proven to be a leader. Um, I don't know how adding him would hurt the team um, it seems like no. it would it would go a long way toward toward making it a, a more stable situation, a more stable team, um, and a, and a deeper team. You know, I mean, one of the things you know, let, let's let's be frank about this. There are some big money guys who are not having the best seasons of their careers. <laughs> Just and, add Nino Niederreiter, will you please? Just I mean, add it. And, and, right. You know, and like I love Jordan Stahl's effort. I love him as a person, as a leader. You know, his game has not been as good this year. So you know, like does getting one more guy capable of we'll say playing in the top nine back, just take that bit of pressure off those guys. Does it take that bit of pressure off of Ajo to feel like he has to do what he did against Ottawa every night? Cause there's no question that part of it 
you know, to that point was weighing on him too. And he's, he's, you know, he was embarrassed by the Ottawa game. He was pretty open about that. Yeah. Um, you know, so, so does getting a, a Justin Williams back just because of his reputation, because of his experience, help those other pieces fall into place? I, I think so in the same way that getting Hollow back, you know, has an impact that goes beyond what Eric Hollow brings to the ice mm-hmm. because it allows so many other people to slot into place. Yeah, and by the way, imagine, just imagine having two players on your forward group who shoot from the right side. That would be just dreamy. All right, final thing, uh, and uh, just a couple of minutes on goaltending. Uh, I'm not worried about Peter Mrazek. They were, I don't think they were ever looking at Mrazek as a 55-start guy. Uh, I am a little concerned that James Reimer can be the backup to play 30-some-odd times and, and give them m- way more uh, good starts than not-so-good starts. Um, at some point, do you think we have to see Alex Nedeljkovic uh, get a little bit of a crack at the backup spot? I would love to see Ned, if for no other reason than he absolutely earned it in training camp. And I think you want, as an organization, you should want uh, to reward people who do what you ask them to do. And I, I felt like he should have been the second goalie here if you if it was strictly mm-hmm. an on-ice competition, which it obviously wasn't because salaries are what they are. Um, but, you know, if there's a period of time where the cap isn't an issue, where they're, you know, if they're only carrying 21 guys, 22 guys anyway, you know, I'd love to see Ned come up and get a shot in the second half of a back-to-back or, you know, get a, get a chance. Um, I, I, you know, I'm sure Reimer wouldn't be thrilled about that, but I think Ned's earned that. And he's been in this organization for a long time. He's, 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 he's been a good soldier. He's, he's worked his way up um, in training camp. I felt like he played his way into into a position where he should get a chance to play. Um, you know, I think you want to reward that. And, and you know, that means having a, a conversation with Reimer about, you know, you know, this kid's been in our, our organization for a while and we feel like we owe him a look. You know, then that's a conversation that you can have. Uh, but I'd, I'd love to see him at some point. I hope it doesn't take an injury for that to happen. Um, I just really liked his camp. I really liked his game. I feel like there were a lot of questions about whether he was even uh, an NHL backup for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like he's, he's done what he's needed to do to, to, to answer, to, to answer those questions. And he deserves a shot. So I'd love to see it at some point. Obviously the, the Reimer contract is what it is, but um, you know, if they could carry three goalies for a little bit, I think it would be great for a, for Nedeljkovic to just to get a look because he's you know in his very brief appearances he's done well. I don't think Reimer's played poorly, but he also hasn't played well enough. Like he hasn't saved them uh, when like Mrazek has saved them at times. Uh, other than the first couple of games of the you know Reimer's first couple of starts of the season, yeah. uh, James Reimer really hasn't come up big when they have needed it. I I do think we will see Ned soon. His last couple last three starts uh, have been excellent. His first three starts were terrible. Uh, so his one four and one record is a little bit deceiving because he has played really well in his last three starts. Of course, that shows you how poorly he played uh, in his first three. Luke Decock of the News and Observer. Follow him on Twitter at Luke Decock. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, we have uh, we have some games on the road, and then uh, we come back home. We'll uh, hopefully we'll see you at PNC Arena. Uh, you know, writing your stuff about hockey again. I will be there, and. Uh... Yeah, are we is this a monthly thing now? We could we you, could do you that. You and me. We is we could certainly make a plan. I'm not yeah. given to plans very well, but we can certainly make one. 
I'm I'm willing, especially if we can, you know, find a, a big money sponsor for these oh. very special, very special podcast. Be still my heart. That would be fantastic. All right, man. All right. Thanks, bro. Yep. You got it. Thanks, Luke. Good deal, Adam. Anytime, man. All right. I'll talk. I'll see you soon. I'll talk to you later. Peace. Yep. Bye. You've been listening to the Canes Corner Podcast with Adam Gold. Don't forget there are many ways you can listen to this podcast, including streaming at WRALsportsfan.com, the WRAL Sports Fan app. And you can also subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Casts, and TuneIn. Thanks again for listening to the Canes Corner Podcast. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.